Welcome to Connected. My name is Mia. I'm your host and the founder of Connected AU. This podcast, Connected, is here to give you the beautiful feeling of community in your ears. I will be chatting with some incredible people, and the aim is just for you to feel as though you are sitting with us, having a cup of tea and good conversation. There are no bells and whistles on this podcast. It isn't scripted and doesn't have any crazy producing. It's just good conversation, and we are so glad you are here. Welcome, everybody, to this week's episode of Connected. I am just so excited to introduce you to our guest today, Sophie Delizio. Most people in Australia would be familiar with her story and I guess the tragedies that she's overcome at such a small age. Sophie lost her feet and an ear and some of her fingers when a car ploughed into her Sydney daycare centre just before Christmas in 2003 before suffering a heart attack when she was then hit by a car and thrown almost 20 metres in another terrible accident in May 2006. The images of young Sophie recovering from that and those horrific burns I think will forever be etched into Australian minds, like I remember that, and despite these hardships that you've gone through, unimaginable hardships, Sophie, your smile has just never waned. It's been in all the photos and it's never changed as you've grown. Years on from that, you seem to be just the same happy, grateful person. From everything I've seen, I've followed you for a long time and everything we've seen, you haven't let any of these disabilities or really these hardships uh, or challenges prevent you from living your life and chasing your dreams. You seem just such a determined and strong person and everything you've endured is pretty mind-blowing and I'm just so excited to talk to you, really talk to you. I've been so excited about this podcast and just getting to know you a little bit and I think everyone will just absolutely love listening to you and just finding out more about you as a person. So thank you so much for giving me and giving us some time today. I am so excited to talk to you. Thank you. That was a beautiful intro. <laughs> it was hard to think about summing it up and how to articulate exactly, I guess, the best way to describe you. And I suppose because I've read so much and followed so much of your messaging, I think, and the things you've said, and I know at times you've sort of struggled with the way people describe you and the way we, I guess, the wider community sort of sees you as this survivor and this really inspirational person. And I know you've said oftentimes that you're just normal and you just you didn't ask to be that and you just want to be normal. So I sort of tried to balance that introduction with making sure everyone who's listening knows just how amazing you are. Thank you. That is very kind. I appreciate that. That's all right. You've done a little bit of media. Are you comfortable now with doing things like this and putting yourself out there and talking? Mm, yeah. My parents got faced with the decision very early on with the first accident. And that was, do we expose the story or do we keep it hidden from the media? And Someone, I can't remember the person who had this conversation with my parents, but had lived their lives with a disability. And they said to my parents, she's going to have to explain her story whether you like it or not. You might as well do something good with it. And that's kind of what has led us to where we are today. So the idea of telling my story, talking to the media and all that, the way in which I've talked to the media has changed but as has the media in general changed completely in the past 20 years. But I've never minded because in the end I know it's doing good in some way or another, It's whether it's helping someone else going through burns or surgeries or an accident or it's just helping inspire people, random people in the community when they're going through a tough time, something that I'm just happy to be helping in some way. Which is amazing and you genuinely do. It is very inspiring watching your story and your journey and I think it's just such a unique story, really. I wonder, Rose, your relationship with the media and your own story would have changed over the years, I suppose because you were able to at some point take control of it all. I guess you were only two. I mean, this is all you've ever known essentially. So I guess in your early years you were just experiencing it, I suppose. It's probably only as you've grown that you've been able to really control the message and the narrative. One of the things I loved reading about you was you've said that day or those few really horrific days, they're not that big of a deal for you, 
They're not these pivotal moments in your life, those particular days, whereas they are for everyone else, really, especially those close to you. Those days would have been etched in their brain forever, the trauma and the experience, I suppose, for the community. Like, I remember it. I remember seeing you. And yeah, it's so interesting to hear that for you, they're just, they're not anything. They're not a day for you. For me, I think it's the whole concept of if I worried about the anniversary or I built up to be this hugely negative day, I'm not happy with where I am now. Because to me, where I am, I love my life. I love the people in it. I love the opportunities I've had and the ones that are to come. And thinking negatively about that day, that would be taking back everything I love. I don't know who I'd be. So to me, because I don't have a memory of of it, it's just a random day for me. It's a story that's been told to me as if it happened to you or any of the listeners. I don't connect with it because I don't remember my life before. Obviously, I know the extent of my injuries now and what I have to deal with on a day-to-day basis, but it's almost as, as if I was born this way in because I can't remember anything before. So I never thought negatively about that day. Obviously, I've suffered with mental health, as as most people nowadays, but it's never been because of I wish that day never happened. I'm almost grateful for that day. Like, I don't know what to compare it to if it didn't happen, but the people in my life are here because of it. I wouldn't have gone to the schools I went to. I wouldn't have stayed in areas that I've stayed in and do experience and meet people just everything that has made me me has been somehow because of that day without even knowing it it's amazing so if I've read that you are a really yeah just positive ray of sunshine I think was literally one of the quotes because essentially that's what you're saying it's that you just are happy and you love your life and you're grateful for where you are and I guess when you are grateful and when you practice gratitude daily, there's no space then to be negative and to be really down about things that have happened because you're grateful for where you are. It's an incredible mindset that you have. And have you had to work on it? I was going to ask a little further in about mental health, but you know, you mentioned there that you've had challenges and then has it been something that you've had to work on over the year? Yeah, absolutely. But what I find fascinating is mental health, changes the more you grow up as with any other person regardless of your experiences and when I was suffering the most from it in high school it was just your everyday teenage problems that I was going through and I know so many people in my year were going through similar things whether I knew it at the time or post it's nowadays it's more recognizing and it impacts that the idea of trauma has on your consciousness without outwardly being because of what happened but being the idea of unpredictability in life and the fear of things going wrong and not being able to do anything or wanting to be prepared in case but that the end of the world disaster sort of people who prepare for that I think the biggest thing that's helped me, my parents are very positive people and really helped me in the early days normalise as much as I could really what I was going through. I normalised my childhood, for my brother especially. But for me, it's just about accepting whatever happens, knowing that life, no matter how much you prepare and how much you are ready for the bad things, are ready for the good things, it is too unpredictable to ever imagine what is going to happen tomorrow. So if I don't get things done today, I'm like, well, there's always another day. I don't know what the other day is going to bring, but there's always going to be another day that I can tackle that's going to face new challenges, that's going to have new opportunities, adventures. And I think that's that's the thing that's helped me the most. I see a therapist regularly. I do mindfulness and my own ways, I find exercising, whether it's swimming or reform of Pilates or boxing, whatever I'm doing at the time, and those are really beneficial. But little things like calming my mind, 
slowing my heart rate down and just accepting whatever comes. Like if I go for a walk, I'm not listening to music. I'm just listening to the sounds around me. I'm just accepting what's happening in the world rather than trying to block it out. Makes sense. Oh, it makes perfect sense. Some of the things you described there are synonymous with everyone. I think we all have similar experiences. And it's interesting, isn't it? The way you said mental health changes when you grow up, it does. And we all have that same experience of the younger years. So when you're going through school, those teenage and early 20 years, and obviously our brains just aren't developed as much and we just aren't as aware or have as much understanding about life. And so the mental health challenges you have at those times are just so different. They were so serious at the time and yours would have been on another level. But it is really when you age and I'm in my mid-30s now and going past that, I can't hang on to mid-30s for too long. But I found that as I've gotten older and especially since having kids, I'm the same as you in that my brain, I suppose, just now understands the seriousness of life, I suppose. And I think after you have kids, it's really common for a lot of women in particular to think about health, develop health anxiety. And that doom you mentioned, that's pretty normal for a lot of women, I think, as they age to start thinking about what happens if something bad happens to me? What happens if something happens to me and I've got the kids? All those what ifs and really big, scary life sort of questions. I think that's really common with a lot of people. And for you then, for that step further, having literally been through those types of experiences and overcome them, I can only imagine how much more heightened that feel would be because it's so real for you. It's so interesting to hear you say that you sort of battle with those and and that's the way you overcome it. I think accepting that you can't control something is really difficult. Like when I get anxious about things, I think we all try to control the situation or plan if this does happen, then this is what I'll do and this is how I'll be okay sort of thing. But you're right, you just you can't actually control anything. You do not know what's going to happen next. But, see, I find that quite unsettling to think that. I find that exciting yeah. in a way. <laughs> and it's, I think it can be terrifying. It can be very scary because we don't know what your life's going to look like in another five years. But then for me it's like, well, I – five years ago would not imagine my life now and that's not a negative thing so think of all the wonderful moments I've lived or you've lived we all lived and isn't that incredible that we didn't expect those to be happening or we didn't expect to enjoy them to the full amount there's moments where you're like I'll remember this for the rest of my life and you don't but then there's moments where you don't even register that thought and it was some of the best moments of your life And it's just holding on to those sort of memories and those moments and the whole idea of joy and just holding on to the concept of joy and the moments of joy and knowing that they will come around again and they're the moments that make it worth living. Absolutely. Sophie, you are, I feel like, the definition of resilient. I feel like because you of all people really have an excuse to let these things cripple you like the fears they would be so real and everything you've gone through and still go through like the physical challenges you have and medical intervention and things you genuinely would have an excuse more than anyone else to shut down and to be scared and to let panic and overwhelm sort of take over you and to live I guess small and safe but I feel like it's just resilience where you are just so strong in being able to just overcome any of those feelings and just let all this joy and happiness and excitement and stuff in. I just think you're amazing and I I genuinely do and I think there's so much to learn from you. So over the years, you've obviously had some really tough moments physically. Those two accidents, they're just terrific and everything that's happened since. Has there been moments for you where the physical challenges that you've had have really put a dent in that mental health and that positivity that you sort of strive towards Mm. I was a very stubborn kid (laughs) and teenager and young adult my whole life I never let my disability get in the way of what I wanted to do albeit a lot of the times I pushed a bit too far and I did suffer much to my doctor's horror I remember appointments where he would be like you need to stop wearing your prosthetics right now otherwise you're coming in next week for emergency surgery and I didn't and I didn't have to come in for surgery but I suffered the consequences oh well I was a child that's we don't really register at all 
but this, oh, now last year, it's been something that I've kind of been dealing with a bit more, the whole concept of pain and living on with it on a daily basis. And I can let it consume me. I could let it say, determine what I do and don't do in my day. And I know sometimes it's for a lot of people, they don't have that choice. And I'm very lucky to have that choice. For me, it's, well, what do I need to get done today? How urgent is what I need to get done? Can I put something? I love a list. I love a to-do list. (laughs) And I'll make my to-do list like 50 points long for a day if I had to. But I'm like, okay, let me actually prioritize. If I'm not feeling great today and I put these things to another day and work on some smaller things that are around the house. And that's what keeps me afloat. It does take its toll mentally. It is very draining. And I have these thoughts. It's always when I'm out driving or going somewhere where it has to be active, mobile, I'm like, oh, I wish I was home right now. But (laughs) I feel like we all get that. We do. don't think that's anything special. But I just try and make most of what I can do, even if I'm in my wheelchair, even if I'm in prosthetics or how mobile I am, there's always something to be done or to do. I'm not going to just stay in bed and watch the world go by as much as I would want to sometimes things have got to get done they've got to be done look it's great it sounds like you're you have mastered the skill of sort of accepting I think if you've got 10 things on your to-do list and you've something's come up or you're not feeling well or whatever happens the kids are sick or something yeah some people really struggle with that whereas it sounds like you've really mastered that skill of saying you know what this isn't turning out to be the day that I sort of wanted it to be but I can at least do these things or all just a really mature and and it seems like a very calm sort of way of dealing with things when I follow your socials closely and you have had some challenges in the last year but you've also had some amazing moments newly engaged thank you you're just yeah great at finding and seeing the exciting things in Mm. life because I think yeah as I said earlier that's what makes it worth living there's always going to be bad moments whether you like it or not you could never live life without suffering in some way or another and it's just about making those moments that you aren't those good moments worth it and holding on to that in those hard times and that's something my mum would always say is like when I'm in hospital is like oh what do you what's the first thing you want to do when you get out of hospital what's the next adventure what are you up to next and that kind of idea of planning and hoping and preparing for the bright side of things it makes those dark days just a whole lot easier when you can see when you're excited and you have drive to do something as well I think you're right I think that's certainly yeah a really lucky quality for people to have I'm a pretty driven person as well and when I think about something in the future I have an idea I decide to do something it really does just compel me and I get a lot of motivation out of that and so I suppose yeah that's similar to what you're saying so I've got kids and the worst thing as a parent is when your children are sick or you think that they're not well or something happens to them. It's awful. It's just one of those things that until you become a parent, I don't think you can understand it, but it really is just a terrible experience. And, and so I think of your parents and I imagine they must also be pretty incredible people to have overcome everything that they've been through. It must have been a really incredibly traumatizing experience for them. Not only the first one that we all know really well, the daycare center, but then the second accident a couple of years later, the heart attack. Like, how are your parents? Are they just the most wonderful people? They're good. They're good. Yeah, they're pretty great. And what is crazy is that they didn't expect any of it. They didn't know how to deal with any of it. My Mum was a real estate agent. My dad was an electrician. Like It's not like they were born into this world. So it was a huge learning curve for them to try and adapt in that way. And something my mum really values is the idea and concept of a team. And 
our a lot of her family live overseas, so she doesn't have her immediate family nearby. I mean, they did come over when the accidents happened, but permanently here. And she created her team, and that's what she says helped her survive the most is her friends' families, whoever it was, her cousins. It's the people who are there for you in your biggest time of need, and they're the ones that hold you up and keep you afloat. And your team changes, and by the time of my second accident, what made that whole experience so much easier, yes, we knew a bit more about the medical world, but we had more of a team. So my grandparents came over from New Zealand, both accidents. But for the second one, instead of my grandparents being my brother's full-time carer, swimming, my rehab swimming instructors who lived around the corner from where my brother went to primary school would pick him up every day and take him back to their place and give him afternoon tea. Like these people that we'd never met, our lives would never have crossed paths and they became part of our team. And some people are still in it, some people aren't, but in that moment of need, you will forever be grateful and always remember those people's names who made the greatest impact and were part of your team. I love that analogy. I love the team mindset. I am such a team player as well. I love the idea of teams. I don't think I've ever thought about yeah, those around me in everyday life always being part of a team, but it is essentially. Um, well, as you know, you follow Connected AU and everything we do is about community and connection and obviously community would have just been such a big part of your world and your family's world. And also it must have been an odd experience for you, especially growing up because the wider Australian community all knew you. Like we really felt familiar with you. And so that must have also been something to try and understand and accept that you were someone to everyone, really. Yeah. And at the end of the day, I've always stayed true to myself and what my friends see is not always what the public sees. And I've always liked to keep some part of who I am for my team, for my people. But if it does good, if it helps people in whatever way, I'm happy. I think my greatest goal with the whole social media keynote speaking roles are the people I'm talking to might not have a disability and might not be going through things, but what if their friends, cousins, sisters, nephew, whatever, happen? that happens to them and the message gets spread to a person going through something who doesn't know how to adapt as easily or to find accessible technology or all these little things that my parents had to learn from themselves and have that sort of, I don't know, guidance in a way. I think that's the greatest the lesson I've ever had in regarding to my disability has been from a woman who I call my mentor, Connie Liddell. She's an ex-Paralympic swimmer and keynote speaker. And all the lessons she's taught me about how to guide my life through the obstacles of inaccessibility and disability advocacy and all of that has been just through her life lessons and reading a book's not going to get me anywhere because everything's changing so quickly and you need to know up-to-date information that's what I want in life I want to be that mentor in a way through social media or whatever just to help people and it seems like you're doing that it does seem like that really is your passion and your mission or purpose, I guess, that's developed over the years. You've mentioned a number of times about not being able to see yourself in the media and in the landscape and in the community, and that when you do see disability, that oftentimes it's veered towards pity rather than celebrating disability and people with disabilities. And so has that just developed over the last few years of your life? Or growing up through the teen years, did you really start to notice and feel that you wish it was different? I had a few challenging experiences in high school where important leaders and teachers determined what I could and couldn't do, what I should do. And in those moments, I moved to schools a few times to try and find the right fit at the end of the day. And it's those challenges that kind of made me realise the 
image that people have of disabilities. It's the not asking but assuming straight away and making the decisions on behalf of that person because we're all different. We all have our own abilities and whether it's physical, mental, emotional, whatever, we're all capable of doing amazing things and it's just in the disability community yes like a good amount of the time you can just see our limitations but they're not limitations at the end of the day because they make us stronger they make us more knowledgeable in so many different areas that a lot of able-bodied people aren't knowledgeable in and it's interesting the challenges that I face it's only been until recently that I've felt ready to do something about it. I think that was the thing. I wasn't ready as a kid. It wasn't my job. I just needed to live my life. And now I'm ready to do things with it. But it's just getting people to be open and willing to listen and make changes is the biggest challenge, I think. Amazing. It sounds like really up until recently you were just – advocating for yourself and understanding your life and it was that you were trying to get people to think differently about your limitations and what you can do in your experience whereas now it's as if you now are ready to do things not just for yourself but advocate for others and try and change the landscape for others which is amazing and I think you have such a voice and I can only imagine what you're going to do in the next five ten years it's one thing to sort of go through something yourself but when you feel as though you're doing it for other people, the collective community behind you, you get a bit more motivation. Sophie, have you found that it's been a positive experience using social media especially? I feel like it's really authentic. You're quite vulnerable on there and you are trying to really create that, the conversation, normalising a conversation around disability. And have you found it to be positive? How are you feeling about what you're doing? Yeah, social media is a really difficult one. I find a lot of influencers, content creators, advocates, whatever you want to call them, create a very specific image of what they want you to see. I think that's been the greatest challenge is breaking through that barrier because you might post the most heartwarming thing, but it might not get attention. And that's something that you've got to work with. It's not a guaranteed audience a lot of the time. The message that you're trying to send is not always getting across. But my biggest thing is the people I've interacted with have been super lovely and I'm very grateful for that. I think what upsets me the most is what other influencers have created within social media is that this false image of everything being perfect and constantly looking the best and a lot of influencers, and I don't mean any offence to them, not having a specific message to send and it's just becoming another form of content that people are consuming and is draining them of the energy that they could have to do something with. They could be out in the real world trying to make something better and I think everything I'm trying to do, whether it's just from a cooking video or a day in a life or whatever, it's just to normalise living with a disability, showing that, yes, I do all of this. My disability does not define what I can do in my day-to-day life. And just showing that it doesn't need to be this built-up thing. It doesn't need to be like, oh, my God, I am doing this today. It's such a tricky thing, isn't it? And it's so complex. You're wanting to be authentic and normalise the conversation around disability. But, yeah, social media is a platform that is skewed against authenticity essentially it's not like you're working with an even playing field and everyone's content is shown the same way so the people who play the game I suppose have an easier time of circulating their message and so if you do go against the grain and you do not lean into that perfectionist content yeah it's probably a lot harder for you to actually get your message across so one you're working against the grain and number two it is difficult to do something on a platform where most people don't so I agree with you social media whilst it has incredible benefits the positives 
but the connection piece, there is a lot of incredible parts to it. There are so many concerns and dangers and the addiction problems that people are having. I'm so thankful that it didn't exist when I was, I think Facebook came in when I was at university. So I'm so glad I missed that. And I can only imagine how hard it is for teenagers nowadays to deal with comparison culture, perfectionism. Like I think you're right. It's 90% of what you see isn't real. It's all curated. And it's really difficult to make yourself step away from that. So even Connected AU, our feed, I, I don't know, I think we've got 35, 40,000 followers on Instagram and we post and we try and just be normal and behind the scenes and they're definitely not pics in a yacht in France, but you want them to look good. So it's hard to step away from that. Mm. And it's the whole idea of, yeah, perfectionism and I think people want to see the bright side of life, the perfect things, the things that they want and they want to achieve. But it's like that's not life every day. That's not reality. Like I'm going to show the moments where it's not the best and I'm not going to apologize for it and be like, sorry, this is not my usual content. It's like, no, I'm going to show you everything. If you want to understand what someone else's life is like, I'm going to show you everything because that's at least as a content creator when it's the brand as a person that's the best way to do it oh absolutely and it's a gift Sophie I think you're very generous in what you do because yeah it is a gift to be able to see behind the scenes like your day-to-day parts of life where do you see yourself going with this then is it the keynote speaking or where do you think you'll make the most impact or want to make the most impact Sorry, I'm going to pause for a second. Can I just grab my computer charger? Oh. It's just in the very next room. Yeah. Because <laughs> otherwise my computer's running out of battery. I didn't realize how low it was. Sorry. Honestly, that is me. I feel like you are me. <laughs> always in my charger. I before. always forget. I'm a really forgetful person. So, no, that's totally. And honestly, the great thing about podcasts I've discovered is that you can do this and have Normal conversations, pause. Oh, so good. It makes it so much easier. There we go. Ah, perfect. Thank you. That's fine. We're literally talking about being authentic and normal, so that's like so nice <laughs> that we just did You know what? If I had the balls, I'd leave the podcast and let people listen to that. But Because even podcasting is something that's not even totally real. So with this, I'm such a beginner we're just doing this podcast literally because we have all these amazing people like you that want to be involved in what we're doing and then we have this amazing community that want more so it makes sense to do a podcast and also it's more accessible we found but super beginner and DIY I literally just jump on and have a conversation with people I don't send you questions and we don't stop and reverse if I've coughed or said something whatever and recently I've been a guest on other podcasts and it's been really formal really curated so much to the point where they're like, okay, I'm not going to look at you during the conversation. I'm going to look across at my notes, but I am listening. And if I say something wrong, I'm going to actually pause and reverse, just really curated. And even that in itself is pressure because then I'm doing these podcasts and I'm like, oh my God, I'm just not, as, just not as good as anyone else's. But it doesn't matter at the end of the day. At the end of the day, it should be a conversation more than totally. a formatted interview. Like it's, that's right. Like people want to listen to podcasts for the ease of it. The casualness. For just to be a, a really authentic conversation. Everything about you is authentic, Sophie. So what is it that you're most motivated for? Obviously, social media is a necessity. We're forced to be on it. It's a, one of those necessary evils, but obviously that's not your favourite. So how are you wanting to focus your energy? Yeah, as you said, social media, you've got to do it. It definitely provides me with a lot more opportunities through speaking gigs and other avenues. I think my primary goal is working on my social media in order to get all those other things as much as I don't want to have to. That's the world we live in. I would love to get more brand deals and use my image with brands to show awareness of everyday accessibility. It all came about when plus size models became a big thing which was amazing thing, but there's still such a lack of people with disabilities in the modeling industry, especially people who have suffered from burns. Everyone has a different body. When you go through burns, your body changes shape and 
such unique and different ways. No one will have the same body shape if you've gone through births. So kind of showing awareness through that would be one of my absolute goals in life. And keynote speaking is definitely, it's a beautiful thing because I can do what I do on social media, but with such a more personal element, I can talk to people, I can go to the lunches and get to know people before and after my speeches. And it's an amazing, tiring, but it's an amazing opportunity. And at the end of the day, not everyone gets to do things like that. And I'm just so grateful that it showed up in my path. It's probably not something I would have done if it didn't present itself the way it has and yeah I'm just so grateful for it because again it's just making more of a difference I'd love to get into eventually one day doing my own podcast would be incredible I would love to do that at the moment the content side of things so time consuming do you know what we would strongly encourage to do a podcast for years and I just put off because why who wants to record themselves chatting with people and put it out there to the masses to listen. And also, I thought it was too hard basket. Like, how do you even do that? Honestly, this just got to the point where I just connected with so many cool people and I couldn't not do it. So I went and bought a mic, literally from the good guys. And we just Googled and got some recommendations, have the programs online and no training has gone into this. It's been so low cost, so accessible. It takes no time and it's just jump on, have conversations with people. If you want to, you could start it up within a week. I'm such an impulsive person though and I always am like, just do it straight away. But you really could, Sophie. And there would be so many people wanting to talk to you and wanting to be on any sort of show that you do. Yeah, I'd love to. I'm a perfectionist. Oh. And I'm like, I need to get my content rolling. Because that's what I find the hardest is the constant posting, the constant updates. It's not like a nine to five. It's a lot more than that. And oftentimes you don't get paid for it. And it takes from me the work I put into a speaking gig for one gig is less than what I put in for a week of content. And I get paid for the gigs. I don't get paid for the social media stuff, but they're both my job at the end of the day. But no, I think that would be my late 24, early 25 goal would be podcast. Amazing. Go for it. I will be the first subscriber. It is a great medium. And as we've done more of them, I'm getting more relaxed. Probably in the first few, I was really aware of people listening. As I'm doing more, I'm sort of relaxing and just having great conversations with people. And it does really open doors. And my last guest was Liz Hayes and she's phenomenal. And just the experience of talking to her and learning more about her was just great. It's just a wonderful thing to do. The keynote speaking, I love that for you. And I think that probably why you enjoy that so much is because it's a captivated audience. Social media, another really difficult part is you have to catch their attention. I guess you're curating content in the hope that people will stay for the duration and watch whatever video you've done or whatever thing it is. Stop their scroll. Whereas a, an audience in a room listening to you is, yeah. I always try and get the clients that I work with to do a Q&A at the end. I find when you do a Q&A, it's not just what's your favorite color or anything. Like it's what they need to know, what they want to learn. And I find that's the greatest impact. And interestingly, I always find Q&As with students in schools the most beneficial because they don't know what's to come, but they're so receptive to hearing. Maybe that's because it wasn't that long ago that I was in their shoes. I always say, I know where you are. I know what you're going through. And they just have the most fascinating questions that and the medical industry it's always the medical industry is always fun because it's very different but I find so many times adults are just afraid to ask yeah yeah which is a real thing you you probably want to be polite and don't want to offend and there is so much you can say wrong now on so many levels but I've never been asked you've never been asked anything that you have been uncomfortable not in a presenting role I've been asked in the street and everyone in the disabled community will agree on this. Like, I don't mind if people come up. That's fine if they say that they know me and all that. Like, beautiful, I'd love a chat. But sometimes there's people that say things that just, they just don't think about what they're saying. But it's, that's life. 
it's life and it's for everyone. But, yeah, there are some people who just don't think. I think it's funny when you see kids, like my daughter, Georgie, she's just turned five. Kids don't have a filter and so for kids that see people with disabilities, it is just something they mention. Just like someone has purple hair, Georgie will be like, oh, my God, can you see her hair? It's purple hair over there. It's a similar way where someone might see someone at the beach with a prosthetic leg or when kids do say it out loud. How do you feel when kids do make statements? You know what? I love when kids do. I always hate what the parents say, though. Like, they always shy the kid away. Like, don't look, don't ask, don't do this, don't do that. So you're teaching your kid not to be inquisitive. You're teaching your kid not to accept that there are other people who look different. I've had some parents that have been like, no, the kid will be like, oh, look, that's a wheelchair. And they'll be like, yeah, it looks cool, doesn't it? Do you like the colour? And it kind of turns into like a fun, like, it normalises it. Whereas shying the kid away is going to make them either A, question it more, or B, not understand it as a normal thing, a normal concept. And I think that's why a lot of adults say things that probably shouldn't be said because they don't know how to go about it because they were never taught. How to talk about it. I think part of your job is the mission of wanting to change things. There will be a period of time which is adjustment where it becomes more normalised and everyone, yes, says faux pas and talks about it and normalises and and it will. And I'm sure you are absolutely convinced that it will change and it will one day be just like anything else and you'll get there. It's just people like you actually putting their hand up and doing it. So it's very cool what you're doing. Look, I've kept you for nearly an hour now and I know I invited you for I think I said 35 40 45 minutes but no do not stress we'll be having fun well I just really enjoy talking to you and I think there's so much to be learned from you and I think I know you don't like when people say you live this inspirational life but it is inspiring and I think it's inspiring for people everyone's had challenges I've had challenges everyone has tough times everyone has problems and, and tough times but I think when they're the, as severe as yours were and we're all aware of what happened to you when people talk to you and hear your story, it's inspiring because I think it gives people hope that you can be like you, even if these really bad things do happen. So I think it kind of is that fear piece for most people in the community. Your fiancé, how is he? He's wonderful. We met in high school. We went to school together. So we met when I was 14 and we kind of were best friends for many years and life takes its path and you are close and then you aren't and then I moved to England he did his own thing and then we kind of reconnected beginning of COVID and that just kind of the rest is history so it's been wonderful and been a great adventure. It's amazing it's so cool to watch and so he has known you then on the journey from when you were in your teenage years to now and does he have a disability? No none at all it's interesting his family on his mum's side always worked in disability care so he's always been exposed to it but the things he's been asked and things that have been said to him since us being together has even shocked me that some people come up and be like good on you for looking past all that oh no it's like two months into us dating i was like oh god and it's like one of those things that you don't know what to say in that moment I can't even remember what he said now, but like you're in so much shock yeah. that you don't know what to say. So I think that's been his greatest challenge is kind of accepting society's idea of dating someone with a disability. And I think his family having worked in disability services is amazing. A lot of his family still do. And that taught him a lot as a kid, but it's just those things that you can pay yourself <laughs> but it is what it is you would be speechless quite speechless yeah absolutely so you're having the incredible excitement now of planning a wedding and it's been lots of fun it's a fun adventure is this your full-time job now trying to get this going and doing the advocacy work and build up your brand I suppose yeah at the end of the day I had a wonderful 2022 traveling and came back having to have major surgery 
took a while for it to happen. But the thing with living with a disability is the time off for medical needs can be so unpredictable. I didn't want to start a whole new career and dive into that when I knew this huge surgery was coming up. And then when the surgery happened, it was kind of everything was falling into place. I'd done a few speaking gigs. There were more opportunities coming up for that and the social media side just took up. And I said I kind of always thought I wanted that like nine to five sort of job. But now it's like if I'm having a bad day on my legs or just not feeling great, I can make that work for my schedule. And it's been a real blessing and it makes it a lot easier for medical appointments because there are always medical appointments. You don't get to choose the time or day you have those medical appointments. They tell you. And there's a lot of things on a weekly basis I have to get done. So I'm, I've been very lucky be able to go down this path and I'll never take it for granted. It's so cool. I'm sure you get this a lot. This is a big question asking you if you could distill your outlook on life into a few pieces, what would it be? I've had people say to me, like, when I'm going through hard times, I think about you and that helps me. And I always counter with we all go through hardship. A lot of things that some of the listeners are going through, I could never have gone through and vice versa. I think we acknowledge that we all have trauma, we all suffer in some way. Keep that in mind when you're in a situation where someone's not being super nice or recognise that someone needs a bit of help because you don't know what they're suffering with on the inside. And that's been the greatest thing is physically they might look absolutely fine, but you don't know what's going on in their head. So try and be as kind and caring and compassionate to as many people as you can. It's easier said than done, but I just like to keep that in mind. It's like I don't know what anyone else is going through, so I can't make a judgment on them. I think that's a great piece of advice. I really do. And I think, yeah, more people would do well to remember that and to think about that. Life is so much easier when people are nice. Are kind and nice. Look, you all people would totally know just how important being kind and nice is so the other guests we've had we've asked a lot of them how do they stay connected or what's their piece of advice to stay connected because even though with social media we're more connected now than ever we're also like more disconnected now than ever and is it real connection blah 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 life's so busy now and there's so much pressure and it's really kind of hard to stay connected now and so people have given us little bits of advice from things like as soon as you think of someone just let them know even if it's just literally like a quick text others was voice to text if you think of someone just voice to text just send it off things like that and at the end of this podcast series whenever it ends I might do a little cheat sheet and put all the different guests and their little piece of advice on how to stay connected is there a way you have and yours would be quite unique because you do have sort of these things happen sometimes that you can't just definitely go and meet up with someone for coffee down the street so do you have a some way you try and stay connected? Yeah, love the voice memos. I have lots of friends overseas. So that's how we stay connected. I love just if you're thinking of them, message them. I love the idea of if you've just left someone's house or you're, they've left yours or whatever, you've just split up and saying, hey, did you get home safe? Or make or thanks for a great night. I really value the idea of thank you and gratitude and just saying thanks for catching up was really fun. I heard a concept the other day, instead of saying I'm sorry when like you take a while to respond, saying I'm sorry it's taken me a while, saying thank you for waiting for me to respond instead of saying I'm sorry. And I was like mentally trying to implement that, haven't yet, because it's a hard dialogue to change. Um But I think the greatest thing for me is to stay connected is making time for the people you love, making time for your team. Because life gets busy. Everyone is always busy, no matter what you're going through. Even if it's going to someone's house or meeting up halfway or whatever, making the effort to see them in whatever way you can, even if it's FaceTime. I think just setting out a time to talk to them, to be with them, that 
means the world. Yeah, you've just done two bits of advice and I love them both. One is just make the effort, which is just so true. Sometimes you really do just have to make the effort. And the other, I think that's so cool that you don't have to wait. I suppose most people would think if they catch up with someone for lunch, then you would leave it till whenever it is a period of time's gone past. Oh, I haven't seen Sophie for a while. I'll message her. But you're saying no, like if you've seen someone just literally afterwards, thank them or say that was so cool that we just caught up. I like that a lot. And I think that would be a real key if you catch up with someone and then you do get a little text or a little call saying how good was that. That would give you a really a bit of a boost. Absolutely. My, I get mocked by my fiancé a lot because whenever I see friends, he goes, oh, how was it? I was like, oh, my, it was so lovely. We had the best time. Apparently I say that every time. And I'm like, but I mean it. And he's like, yeah, but you always say it. Like, are you always having the best time? And I'm like, yes. <laughs> so it's just like it's now he can, like, predict what I'm going to say. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I'm not surprised. I feel like you would have a great time with everyone. So if you're so easy to talk to. So last question then, how can we help you? What can we do? You're on such a mission. What can we do or our listeners do for you? I think just, I think it would just help in the greater good by being kind to everyone. I know it's, I know it's not something that's directed to me. I just think the impact of kind people has a domino effect. And I think that's the most beautiful thing you can ever do for anyone. And learn a bit more about accessibility and the world. It's not in our curriculums. We don't learn it in school. There's not a point in time where we ever learn about history of people with disabilities. And I think it's just being a bit more open to that, making it less foreign and otherworldly, kind of normalising it. But be kind. That's my biggest thing for me. Ah. Which is just so nice that you've said that. Sophie, you are just, you really are just such an amazing person. You probably don't like when people just heap you with praises all the time, but it's true. And when you read things about you, the the quotes are all the same, ray of sunshine. I think I've read that like so many times, but it's actually really just such a lovely person to talk to. And your entire personality is just joyful. And that's not to say that you're positive all the time. I'm sure you're not. Being able to be a joyful and happy and thankful person is such a skill and you're just absolutely nailed it. And honestly, like I've already learned so much just chatting with you. Everyone listening will learn so much just from listening to this. I'm going to encourage everyone to go and follow you and keep along on your journey. And I definitely want to stay in touch with you. I think what you're doing is so cool. Thank you so much for talking to me today. I know for those listening, we did have to push this back a couple of times and make a few changes. So thanks for being super flexible and and jumping on and going over time. So it was so lovely. I'm very grateful to be here. Oh, thank you, Sophie. All right. Well, I will sign off now, everybody, and I will hopefully share this episode with everyone in the next couple of days. So thank you so much, Sophie. Thank you. If you haven't discovered Connected AU yet, this is your cue to find us. We have some of the most exciting, engaging and inclusive programs in the country to make sure everyone has access to community. From beautiful handwritten letters to online art clubs, book clubs and gardening clubs. We even have events every month with famous friends like Sam Neill. There is something for everyone and we know you will find joy. 